Hello and welcome to the Glacier Valley Church of God. Today's podcast was recorded live on Sunday before a full church. If there's anything we can do to bless you, to pray for you, please contact us at 907-789-3605. Glacier Valley Church of God, a place of hope, a place of healing. visitor, please be assured that I am not the pastor. (laughs) Our pastor is on a well-needed and well-deserved respite. So he's up in Anchorage, um, relaxing a little bit, hopefully recharging his batteries. Our pastor has done wonderful and amazing things in this church and uh, with this congregation. We are so very proud of him that he is that he is our pastor but even our pastor needs a break so if you're a visitor we hope that our congregation has made you feel welcome you are so very welcome to be here this morning and congregation if if you look around you find a visitor to make sure that they feel welcome before they leave this church today okay praise the lord so i've been praying about what to share this morning and praying about and and the Lord reminded me of something that he told me uh, several months ago during a Sunday night prayer service we had come together at a Sunday night prayer service and I was sitting back there and and I was uh, praying and looking through scripture and the Lord told me something that I thought was just absolutely profound and maybe it's just profound for me but I'm going to share it with you anyway. He told me, and this is kind of uh, the title of our message is a heart condition. Heart condition is the, is the title of the message this morning because the Lord told me that the condition of our hearts is the catalyst for everything that we do. Amen. So that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Let's open up in some prayer. Precious Lord, we love you so very much, and we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to come together as a body of Christ, to worship you, to praise you as a body of Christ, Lord. We come to you now with hearts open to receive the wisdom and knowledge that you have for us. I pray, Lord, that you would touch our hearts, that the Holy Spirit open our hearts and give us hearing ears and seeing eyes to have the knowledge of what you are doing for this church to this church and through this church. We love you and praise you and ask you, Lord, your anointing on this word this morning for your glory and for your honor. We ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our condition of our hearts. We know that we are in the last days, right? We know it. We see it. We see it everywhere that we are in the last days. We see it in the increased evil that's happening in this world. We see it in the way people are treating each other. We see it in the way the people are treating the government and the way the government is treating the people. We see it in any any number of ways we see that we are in the last days. So what is the condition of our heart in these last days? Have we allowed the conditions of this world to affect us as believers? 
Have we allowed the things of this world to affect how we present Christ to our neighbors, to our family members, to our co-workers, to uh, the folks at the grocery store, to the folks at our banks, wherever you might be? Have we allowed the, the things of this world, the evils of this world, to, to change the way that we operate as believers, as believers? The first place that we see in the Bible where the condition of the heart is, is exposed is with Cain and Abel. We know the story of Cain and Abel, don't we? We know that Abel, Cain came, came first. Abel was his younger brother. Abel was a shepherd. Cain was a person that uh, he was a gardener or a farmer. Whatever, whatever words you might want to use, but he, he did that. He, he tilled the ground, and he caused things to grow that you can eat. That's what, that's what Cain was. So there was a time when Cain and Abel came together, and they presented their offerings to the Lord. They didn't have to do it. They didn't have to build an altar and present offerings to the Lord, but they came. They came together. They presented their separate offerings unto the Lord. Abel brought the first of, firstlings of his flock. He, he, he shed blood and he, he sacrificed a lamb to the Lord. Cain presented uh, from his garden, he presented to the Lord an offering. And God had, uh, he had favor on Abel's offering, sacrifice. But he didn't, have, he didn't have favor on Cain's sacrifice. So what was the difference between the two? What was the difference between Cain and Abel? It was the condition of their heart. It was the condition of their heart when they, when they came to, to present their offerings and their sacrifice to the Lord. It was the conditions of their heart that caused God to accept Abel's sacrifice and not accept Cain's. In fact, in Genesis, uh, I believe, chapter 4, in verse 6, and I did not give this verse to them up there, so, so it's not their fault that if it won't show up here. But in verse 4, God is talking to Cain, and he says, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your face gloomy? If you do well, will your face not be cheerful? And if you do not do well, sin is lurking at the door, and it desi it, its desires for you, but you must master it. It's the condition of their heart. So based on this scripture, we have to understand that when, when Cain brought his sacrifice, he didn't want, really want to do it. His heart was elsewhere. And I'm going to go to offerings and tithes here. When we are providing our tithes and our offerings, sometimes there is a struggle. Can I afford this? Right? I promise you, you can. Every single time, you can afford that tithe. It may not look like it. You may think, how am I going to pay these other bills? How am I going to buy groceries? How am I going to get gas? How am I going to do this and that and the other? And in this season, how am I going to get presents for my kids or my grandkids or my nephews and nieces or my brothers and sisters? How am I going to be able to do that? If I give 10% of what I already have to the Lord, I'm going to be short. No, you're not. I can promise you that. If you give 
but with a heart of gratitude to the Lord, I can promise you, you'll, you won't be short. You won't be. I have experienced it. I have experienced it firsthand. There was a time when I had the heart where I can't afford it, and I didn't give to the Lord what I was supposed to. I didn't give my tithes. I didn't give offerings. And it didn't work out. But right as soon as I started paying my tithes, as soon as I started paying my offerings, all of a sudden, I don't know how it would happen. But I would have like $125 in the bank and wondering, how, how is that going to feed us for two weeks? And then I go grocery shopping and I come back with like six, seven, eight bags of groceries and still have $100. I mean, how was I able to get eight bags of groceries for 25 bucks? Because the Lord provided. Because I gave knowing, knowing that that's what he asked me to do. Not because I thought I was going to get something back, but because that's what he asked us to do. So I can imagine Cain, when he's giving his, his grains and whatnot, he goes, oh man, I don't want to give that. That's, that's the good stuff. So he probably picked from, you know, the bad pile. He said, here God, you can have this part. So it was the condition of the heart that caused God to say, Abel, I'm going to accept yours. Cain, yours not so much. Condition of the heart. In First uh, John chapter three, First John chapter three, verses uh, ten through twelve, we see this. It says, "By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother." Now, what did Cain do to Abel? Did Abel deserve to be killed? Absolutely not. He had nothing to do with whether or not God accepted Cain's sacrifice or not. But Cain raised his hand and he killed Abel. He killed Abel. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain... Who was, not, who was of the evil one and slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. That was the difference between Cain and Abel. That was the difference between Cain and Abel. The deeds, the deeds, what he did. The condition of your heart will, is the catalyst for everything that you do. What is in your heart? What is in your heart? People know what's in your heart by the actions, by your actions. Not just by your words, but by your actions. What does your actions say about you? What do your actions tell the world about you as a believer in Jesus Christ? I can tell you one of the the worst testimonies that the church has today. And believe it or not, this this is really the truth. It's when Christians go to a restaurant. When they go to a restaurant, they order food, how do they treat the waiter or the waitress? Right? How do you treat the waiter and the waitress? I've seen this a million times when when Christians, after church, they go to a restaurant and they they have their fellowship, but they they treat the waiter or the waitress or the help really, really poorly. They're short with them. They're demanding. You know, they're, 
they're, they act angry, all these things. All, where'd the anointing go from the service? Right? What happened to that anointing that you had when you were up here crying and weeping before the Lord, and then you go and you treat human beings really poorly who are trying to serve you? Right? And then in the tips, in the tips, I hear this from non-Christians all the time. They, they dread Sundays. Can you believe that? How could that be possible for, uh, for that, for that uh, pe the people who do that type of work to dread Sundays? Because they know that as soon as church is over, they're going to get treated poorly. They're going to be demanded of to do a million things, and then they don't get anything in return. They don't get a tip. Or they get a very low tip. Or they just get a scripture on their receipt. Come on. Really? <laughs> really? So, the love that we have for each other. The love that we have for each other. What is in your heart? What does your heart tell the people? What does the heart tell this? What does the people see about this church? What does your heart tell this community about not only this church, but as you? What do your actions say? What do your actions say? Are you exhibiting love? Are you exhibiting patience? Are you exhibiting kindness? Or are you short with people? Are you angry with people? Right? Are you demanding? That's a good question. How do we represent Jesus Christ as believers? What does our heart tell us? Because remember, the condition of your heart is the catalyst. The catalyst for everything that you do. It's the catalyst of your actions. It is. Psalm 51, verses 16 and 17. Psalm chapter 51. Psalm chapter 51. I only have one marker in my, in my Bible, but I found it. Psalm chapter 15, I'm sorry, 51. Psalm chapter 51, verses 16 and 17. It says, for thou, talk, this, is, uh, this is David talking to the Lord. For thou dost not delight in sacrifices, otherwise I would give it. Thou art not pleased. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. What is the condition of our hearts? Our, do our hearts exhibit humility? Do our hearts exhibit love? Do our hearts exhibit compassion? Do our hearts exhibit forgiveness? Do our hearts exhibit all of these things which point to Jesus? Does it? It's a good question. I say this all the time on Wednesday nights. As believers, we cannot look like the world. I've said it up here a few times on a Sunday, I believe. We cannot look like the world. We cannot act like the world. We cannot talk like the world. We have to be different. There has to be something about us that is different than the world. Otherwise, what is the attraction to Jesus Christ? If we talk like the world, if you tell dirty jokes, right? If you speak in dirty innuendos, 
right? If you speak with profanities, if you speak with anger, how is that different than the world, right? If you go out into the bars, if you drink, if you do drugs, if you do all of these things like the world does, and then say Jesus loves you, do you what? What kind of testimony is that, right? There has to be something different about us. We have to look different. We have to act different. We have to talk different. Because the, the condition of our heart is the catalyst for everything that we do. So when the world sees us, we have to be different than the world, right? We have to be different than the world. They have to see peace in us. Peace in the turmoil of the world, they still have to see peace within us. They have to see joy within us, right? Now, I have a really good Indian stoic voice of face, but I promise you, I'm happy. <laughs> I'm joyful. It may not look like it because I have a good stoic Indian face, but I promise you, I'm happy. If you hang around me any length of time, you'll find out that I'll tease you, I'll joke around, I'll play around. I love to play. I love to, to, to tease you. If I tease you, it means I really like you. I promise you. <laughs> okay? But you have to have joy, right? You have to have peace. You have to exhibit joy. You have to exhibit peace. You have to exhibit strength and encouragement, love, compassion. All of these things we have to exhibit because it's different than what we're getting from the world, isn't it? It's different from what we're getting from the world. So God is not interested in blood sacrifices. What he's interested in is a contrite heart. The condition of your heart is what God cares about the most. Is what he desires the most is for you to have a heart after him. A heart of desire to be more like Jesus. That's what he wants. He wants us to be like Jesus. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, is a warning. Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, is a warning to us about what happens if we allow the world to affect us. Especially in these last days. We know that we are in the last days because we see it. We see all the signs in the world that we are in the last days. So Jesus is talking to the disciples and to the, and to the Israelites where he says this. He says, find the right, right, right page. And because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. We have to be aware of that. We have to be aware of that. We cannot allow the love of the church to grow cold. We cannot allow the love of the congregation to grow cold. We cannot allow ourselves to be desensitized to what the world is doing. Evil should shock us every single time we see it. Evil should shock us. We cannot be desensitized to what's going on around us. We cannot just grow accustomed to everything that's going around, on around us. We have to be appalled by it, right? We cannot allow it to affect us as believers. We cannot allow the evil that's happened today to allow us to change us, to, to drain the love from us. Now, I'll confess, I peruse TikTok 
And more and more I'm seeing these short videos of people not showing compassion to the unfortunate, but laughing at it. Laughing at, at things that are happening to other people. Bad things that are happening to other people. They make jokes about it. They laugh about it. They be, it causes them, us to become desensitized to the evils of this world, to what's going on to our brothers and sisters, so that when we see something happening bad to somebody, we don't have love or compassion for them. We make jokes about it. We laugh at it. We cannot get there. We cannot allow ourselves to become that. We cannot allow the darkness of the world to affect the love that we have in us and through us. Right? We cannot allow that. Because if we do, it says, because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. We see the lawlessness going on here in the United States, don't we? There are states now where they won't arrest people for um, stealing. There are a lot of stores down south, California, Oregon, Washington, just even on the west coast, where stores are closing because there is no retribution for mass stealing. Kids go in there in mass, grab handfuls of stuff and run out the door, and they cannot be prosecuted. The laws have changed so that there is no law for that. But we cannot allow that to change us. We cannot allow the evils of this world to uh, darken our hearts, to drain the love that is supposed to be in there from Jesus, to drain that. We cannot allow that. That's now is when the world needs the love and compassion of Jesus more than at any time in history. They need Jesus today. And we are the only Jesus that they will ever see. We are the only Jesus that they will ever encounter. So what kind of Jesus are, are we presenting? Right? The condition of your heart will determine the type of Jesus that people are seeing from you. The condition of your heart will determine whether somebody sees a loving, compassionate, forgiving Jesus, right, or not, or whatever else. Any, anything other beyond that is a, false, is a false Christ, right? So we cannot allow that. So when we're talking about love, what are we really talking about? What, what is Love, when we're talking about love, the condition of our heart, and it should be filled with love, well, what is love? Well, I'm glad you guys asked. You guys have some great questions, I tell you what. Let's look up 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I am so glad that Mason mentioned 13 verse 3 during uh, offering. That was beautiful. That was perfect. Because let's see what love really is, and let's see if we can at least aspire to match up to this definition of love, starting with verse 4. It says, love is patient. How many of us already lost? <laughs> Especially when I get behind the wheel. I, I really repent. Every time I get home, I have to repent. Because of the way I'm yelling and screaming at other drivers, and I, oh, it's just bad. 
I shouldn't be that way. I know that. But love is patient. Love is kind. That is so important. Love is kind. There's a difference between being nice and being kind, right? There's a huge difference between being nice and being kind. And it's the motive of your heart. Being nice uh, means you're tolerant of somebody, right? Being kind comes from within. Being nice is a reaction, right? Being nice. Being kind means you're, you're helping somebody even though you know you're probably not going to get anything in return, right? Kindness is very different than being nice. So love is patient, love is kind, and is not jealous. Love does not brag. Love isn't boastful, and it isn't arrogant. We see a lot of that today, a lot of, a lot of pride, don't we? We see a lot of pride, and we saw a lot of arrogance. A lot of arrogance and pride. For what? For what? We don't know. Because the worldly pride and the worldly arrogance won't get you anything. So love does not brag and is not arrogant. Love does not act unbecomingly. Love does not seek its own is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered. It means we don't remember it. We forget about it. We forgive. Right? Love forgives. Right? Love forgives. It doesn't keep a record of wrongdoing. You remember what you did to me 10 years ago? Come on. Really? You're going to bring that up? Then that wasn't true forgiveness, right? True, true forgiveness is when you forgive somebody and you never bring it up again. Even if you get mad at them, right? If you get angry at them, you get in an argument with somebody, who will remember what you did to me? No, that's what you didn't forgive them. If you're bringing them up, if you're bringing it up later, you didn't forgive them, right? So, let's see, where was I at? does not act unbecomingly, does not seek its own, is not provoked. So what it says it does not seek its own means that you don't expect anything in return. You don't expect, if you love somebody, you don't expect them to love you back. Right? You love because you love them. You, love, you don't love somebody just because they love you. That's not real love. Right? So you, it does not seek its own. It is not provoked. That's a hard one does not take into account wrong, wrong suffered. So as it says, does, uh, is not provoked. Think about Jesus on his way to the cross. Everything that happened to him. If you think about how, all the things that, that Jesus went through just to get to the cross, right? He wasn't provoked. He wasn't provoked from his goal. He wasn't provoked out of the mission that God called him to. He wasn't provoked. They yanked his beard out, right? They punched him in the face. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They beat that crown of thorns with sticks. They whipped him. 
They whipped him so bad and they beat him so bad that the Bible says he wasn't even recognizable as a human being. And yet nothing could provoke him or prevent him from getting to what God called him to do. He had to get to that cross so that our sins could be forgiven. Imagine they spit on him. They called him names. They made fun of him. All of that. And he was not provoked. So, what kind of love do we aspire to have? What kind of love do we aspire to exhibit to this world? Love does not, I'm sorry, I'm, uh, love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Rejoices with the truth. So what is the truth? The truth is that Jesus is the Son of God. The truth is that Jesus is the Messiah. The truth is that he died on the cross for us. The truth is that he forgave us of our sins by the precious blood that he shed while he hung on that cross. The truth is that he conquered death, hell, and the grave when he died on that cross. The truth is that he rose again three days later. Right? That's the truth. That's the truth. We rejoice in that truth. And that truth can never be altered, can never be changed. Right? It can never be misinterpreted. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And then there's one final little part in verse 8. Love never fails. So what kind of love are we exhibiting? Are we trying to aspire to this type of definition of love? Now I understand completely and totally that we are not perfect. I am less perfect than probably everybody in here. But do we aspire to show that kind of love to this world? Are we patient? Are we kind? Are we compassionate? Are we understanding? Right? Are we forgiving? Are we showing the right type of love? What kind of, what is the condition of your heart? Because the condition of your heart is the catalyst for everything that you do. Every action that you have. Every action that you perform. Its root is from your heart. Right? Every word that you speak Every word that you speak represents what is in your heart. Because Jesus said that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what are you speaking today? Are you speaking love? Are you speaking compassion? Are you speaking peace? Are you speaking joy? Are you speaking hope? Or are you speaking anger? Resentment? Right? Arrogance, all these other things that love is not. What is coming out of your mouth? What are your actions in your speech saying about what is the condition of your heart? Especially this time of year, right? Right? Because this, this time of year, it's easy to be generous, but what about January 2nd? What will be the condition of your heart on January 2nd? You know, after, after the Christmas and New Year's season is done and we start anew, 
what will be the condition of your heart then, right? And if you're not there yet, it's okay. As long as you seek after it, right? As long as you pursue that type of heart, as long as you pursue and chase after having that type of heart, it's okay. And it's okay if you mess up. We all mess up. God put a wonderful verse in here in the Bible that shows us that it's okay if we mess up. He expects it. In 1 John 1, 9, we talk about this every Wednesday. And I, for those Wednesday night students, I really hope that you have memorized this verse. 1 John 1, 9. 1 John 1, 9. For if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. In order for you to get to that place where you confess your sins, confessing your sins is an ex exhibit of the condition of your heart because it shows that you want to get right with God. It says you want, you want to get right. You know that you've done these things, you've done these, you messed up, you've sinned, but it's okay because you, if you come to God with this heart and desire to be righteous, he says if you confess, means you acknowledge that you've sinned. You acknowledge that you messed up. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you, cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So, condition of your heart. What is the condition of your heart? And we are going to finish early because I am not a long-winded preacher. What is the condition of your heart? If this message has caused you to examine your actions, if this message has caused you to examine what is in your heart or the words that you speak, then God has done his job. And if you are to a place where you want to repent, where you, where you feel like, God, I messed up and I need to repent, God, my actions have not been, uh, and my words have not been exemplary and has not been, been showing who you really are. Then I'm going to ask you to stand. If that's where, you're, where you are and you have a desire to have your heart fixed and to repent and get your heart where it should be, then please stand. you desire to be closer to God and your actions have been drawing you away from God, you can turn around. You can repent. I'm not going to do an altar call because your standing up is your faith in action. That you want God to fix your heart or to get your heart even closer to where it should be. Right? You might be right there and you just want to make that one more step to get where God, where you just want to have more of God through you. And God can do it. God can do it. Because you've shown faith by standing up. We are going to pray together. Precious Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you, Lord, for the mirror that you put in front of us to see ourselves where we are at.
an honest look, Lord, as to where, what the condition of our heart is. And Lord, there are people in here this morning that have stood up because they desire, they desire to have a heart condition that will exhibit the love and compassion of Jesus Christ. Lord, they may have, they may have fallen short. They may have made mistakes. They may have sinned. And Lord, but they have a desire to draw closer to you. They have a desire to be more like you. They desire to have a heart that people can see is a heart after you. And I pray, Lord, that you honor their faith, that you honor their hearts, you honor their desires, Lord, to for them to be forgiven, for them to be cleansed, for them to be drawn closer to you, for them to be more examples of who you are. Not just in their lives, Lord, but in, the, in this body of Christ. I pray your blessings upon them, Lord. I pray and plead the precious blood that you shed on, Cal on Calvary upon each and every one of them. And bless them, Lord, as they go their way today. Give them strength and encouragement and help them, Lord, to rely on you daily. We love you, we praise you for all this in Jesus' wonderful and powerful name. We ask what you to come for us. Thank you for listening to our service. Be sure to catch the video edition of this on either YouTube or Facebook Live. Again, if you need prayer, contact us at 907-789-3605. May God richly bless you in all things.